All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the uh, premiere episode of Binary Atlas, where we're going to focus on talking about different kinds of technologies that impact our lives. Today's episode, we're going to be focusing on electric trucks, uh, specifically the Silverado and the Dodge Ram. All right, so uh, we'll talk, start, start talking about the Silverado. Uh, on their website, we got some specs to throw out for you guys. So available is going to be a 400-mile range. That is GM's estimated on a full charge, up to 785 foot-pounds of torque and 754 horsepower, 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds, and towing up to 10,000 pounds. Now, we'll start out with a 400-mile range. I think range is really, really important on a truck. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be important on any kind of electric vehicle because you don't want to be stranded. This is not that you get to carry around an extra gas can in your trunk and be ready to go. You have to make sure that you have a way to be charged. And 400 miles is a really good range for any kind of electric vehicle, but especially a truck. And I feel like, you know, that, of course, they've got the little asterisk on the website that's estimated on a full charge you're going to get a better, uh, you know, mile range probably in the warmer months than you would at colder times because anytime it's colder, you can expect batteries to not charge quite as well. That's correct. Uh, a lot of EV owners, especially some of the people who have recently bought the Ford Lightning, I don't think they're very experienced at owning an EV. We own a Tesla. In the winter, you, it's very important to precondition your car. The Tesla has that with the scheduled departure feature. I think most electric vehicles have that. What happens is, is while you're plugged up, it warms up the battery, right? And then charges it and it gets it ready to go. You're looking at on a cold start with a cold battery, probably at least half on the mileage if the battery's cold. And see, I didn't realize it would degrade quite that much. I mean, well, course, degrading's uh, a yeah. relative term. The battery isn't really degrading. It's just that it's the laws of physics. The chemicals in the battery, they don't perform well when they're cold. That it's makes just, sense. It's just the engineering of it. Well, and of course, if it's really cold outside, warming up a car, even a gas-powered vehicle, is a good idea because you don't want to be miserable out there in your car. Um, so, I mean, I, I have a hybrid and I warm it up. Yeah, and that's correct. But, you know, that's that's more of a, you know, general knowledge, getting used to owning an EV kind of thing. But that's one of the things you got to be really careful of because when you tow, like you would want to do with this truck, it's also going to cut your mileage drastically. Now, that is not an EV problem. You're in a gas vehicle. Towing cuts the gas mileage by a lot, right? Absolutely. And plus, I mean, trucks are not known for great gas mileage anyway. Um, so I think that maybe why um, I'm looking at this uh, Silverado and it seems a little different from your standard truck. It looks like on the body of it, it I see some features that look like they may be there to help with the aerodynamics of the vehicle. Yeah, that's correct. Now, I've not uh, talked to a, a Chevy engineer, of course, that helped design this thing. But this truck actually looks like it was designed from the ground up to be an EV truck. Uh, the Ford Lightning, it looks almost exactly like any of the other Ford trucks besides that front grille. These things are bricks going down the road. They are not aerodynamic. Trucks weren't built for that, right? No, they were built for working. So the fact that Chevy has taken the time to kind of redesign the body of the truck to make it more aerodynamic is really going to help your range. And I really like that they did that. 
it does kind of give you some reminiscence. Uh, you had mentioned kind of how the back had a little sloping shape behind that back glass. That kind of reminds me of the Chevy Avalanche that they had several years back. Uh, it kind of had that same styling on the back. It makes me think of that RAV4 and the little sport type Jeep yeah. vehicle I saw several years ago. Now I've heard rumors that they use the base for the electric Hummer as a model for this particular vehicle. That's correct. So what Chevy has done, and I think all uh, companies are doing this, what they're trying to do is they're trying to come up with the platform, right? So the wheels, the frame, the motor, and the battery pack, basically your electronics package is the same platform. And then what they can do is they can take the Silverado truck and set it on top, or they can take, I think they're gonna have a, uh, their SUV is going to be coming out and it's going to have the uh, same thing, same platform on the bottom, right? So you stick the SUV on top. Uh, wheel bases will probably be you know longer or shorter based on the truck but that's going to be their platform and it's the one they came up with and first launched with the Hummer EV. And I guess those have been doing well for the people who can afford them. I think uh, they've been having some issues as well. Uh, I think they had one uh, YouTuber who had the uh, Hummer EV had it uh, bail out on him software wise in the middle of a drive and stuff like that. I think they've had but that was their first one, right? So I would hope that they've got all the bugs of their system worked out. This truck's getting produced summer 2024. So I think by then, especially since they've already launched kind of their first platform vehicle, even though it wasn't a huge widely sold vehicle because the Hummer's kind of a niche product, very expensive. I think they'll have a lot of those keys worked out. That That's very hopeful that they'll do that. Now it looks like, you know, you have all the features you would expect from an extended cab pickup truck. You've got the back, um, you've got the back seats that are comfortable for passengers and looks like you can haul different things. Uh, one benefit of having an electric truck is that you have automatic covered storage um, instead of an engine at the front under the hood, you basically have a trunk or frunk space because it is in the front. Um, that you can use for extra storage when you're well, secure storage too. Right? Secure storage exactly right. without having to get a um, you know a, a lock and cover for the bed of the truck, which can sometimes be more trouble than they're worth. Um, so it's it's nice to have that extra feature. Exactly, and you know storage space. You know you're always at. You think when you first get a vehicle, there's tons of it, but you know as you live with the vehicle you start running out of space pretty quickly. And yes, you have the pickup truck, you got the bed of the truck, but then if you go on trips and things, you've got to store things in weatherproof bags or some, some kind of cover on the back. Yes, definitely. And um, plus if the weather changes suddenly and you need to put something in a better spot, at least with an electric vehicle, you do have that extra space. Yeah, and it also creates a lot of extra space on the inside of the vehicle because you don't have your standard tunnel that goes through the center of the truck because there's not a transmission, right? There's not something running the length of the vehicle to drive the wheels. So there's that also gives you more room and storage in the center console and things like that. Uh, one of the other great features that I definitely wanted to highlight when it comes to this truck. Now, most trucks are going to be providing this. The Ford does it. The Ram that we'll talk about in a minute does it. But this is called Whole Home Power. Uh, different manufacturers call it different things. Uh, I think Chevy's going to call it Ultimum. I don't know where they got that name from, but basically they're touting that with the proper equipment installed that you'll have to get extra with your truck, 
that your truck can be the backup battery for your home, and they're touting 21 days of power. Wow. Uh, that... I'm not, that seems kind of high for me. Let's see what it says here. It says uh, keeping the lights on for up to 21 days. Okay, that's probably, so that's where they get up you. Up to, yes. Well, they're also saying just the lights. Yes. The... Right, you know, most people have LED lights. Your lights don't draw the power. Yes, yeah, so. so you can't expect to be running like maybe a full furnace system or be running your washer and dryer and dishwasher and everything, you know, microwaves, anything that's going to pull a lot of power. But I think it would be helpful to be able to run a low wattage appliance such as a deep freeze or even a refrigerator is not going to pull that much voltage well, like I would. That. I would think that if you were just running your refrigerator your freezer, uh, your lights, uh, maybe your internet, you know, some low power things, not using an electric stove, not using your washer and dryer, you know, because you're in an emergency situation, right? Exactly. You don't have to probably use skipping the microwave and the hair dryer or and something anything. like that. You could probably get four or five days out of this, I would imagine. At least enough for the emergency to pass. But it seems like even if there is extra equipment that you would need, that it would probably cost less than a whole home generator something that may run on diesel or even, you know, natural gas, especially in an emergency. Most likely. So we don't have numbers from Chevy on this. When it comes to Ford, this is an example number. Uh, they were saying that the equipment required was about $3,000, but that doesn't include installation. So you're going to have to have a certified electrician to come out. So you're probably looking at another two or $3,000. I would imagine. to have. An, so you're looking at about six to $7,000. Well, that's but still that's, putting you below probably the cost of a whole home generator, especially if you have a larger home, um, you know, anything over 2,000 square feet. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I've done prices before. Whole home generators, just the generator is probably going to run you five, six, seven thousand $7,000, not including the transfer switch. That's another $1,500 and then an electrician coming out to do all of this. And see, I've seen different numbers for the natural gas ones that are automatic kick-ons, mm -hmm. 15000 to 20000 even. That, that's correct. And that's and, just the equipment, not the install. Yeah, because I got told by one contractor that they would come out and put all that stuff in, but they wouldn't run the gas because they're not plumbers. So you have to have a separate person come out to run the gas line. Okay, so see, that's more. But of course, when you're doing something like that, you want a skilled professional this is not a DIY project. That's correct. Now, you know, we're saying that, and yes, this is probably going to be a $50,000, $60,000 vehicle, but if you're going to get the truck anyway, then why spend, you know, $10,000, $15,000 on a whole home generator or $20,000, $25,000 for backup batteries for your home? This is something I looked into because we have solar. When you could put that cost toward the truck. That does make sense. So at this point, then, um, let's take a look at the Ram truck and see how it compares. Now, this truck is also very pretty, um, loads better than the Tesla Cybertruck. You just keep bringing that Cybertruck up, well, don't you? Well, I mean, it's like, I consider it the first electric truck, even though I haven't actually seen it out there yet, but it's like the first one I ever heard of. And so, I mean, I'm seeing Ford Lightnings out there, but we all know what kind of trouble they're in right now. I've heard of fires. I've heard of battery problems. I even heard one person say that, uh, you know, I don't know if this is true, but that Ford recommended um, using the heated seats in the vehicle 
to warm yourself as opposed to using the heating and air system to help the battery. That's correct. So what happened was is, and I've, I've stated this and I'm not an expert by any means, but it's my personal opinion that Ford did what you shouldn't do. They took their Ford F-150 and made it an electric truck as opposed to designing a truck from scratch to be electric. And I think one of the things that hit them was it's the same heating and air system that is in a normal F-150. Yes. Those things draw a lot of watts when you're doing heat. And it was designed to be ran on an engine that ran on gas. Correct. So what's happening is, is that's really horribly hitting people's uh, range when they, in the winter months. And Ford actually responded to this by telling people to not use the HVAC and just turn on your heated seats. And that's not enough when it's very cold. No, it's not. So you've got, you know, your heated seats, but even your heated seats are going to draw from the battery. Yeah, but not as much. Not as much. Not as much. And that's why they say that. And that's when I look at this and I say all that because when I look at the Ram, again, I agree with Brandy. I think it's a very good looking truck, but it looks almost exactly like their current lineup. Well, and see, I do see a little bit of difference in the way the truck is designed. It seems like it has a few more curves to it, um, probably to help with the aerodynamics. And it looks like um, the angle on the windshield is significantly less steep on the electric vehicle than it is on the gas vehicle. Yeah. And again, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure they designed this truck right and everything, but it worries me that it looks so much like their regular electric truck. Like they're going to get into the same thing that Ford did where they didn't really design an electric truck. They electrified their truck. Yes. Now, when I first saw the Ram, I saw the concept vehicle. Uh, I've shown this to you, Brandy. It looked... Like a spaceship. It was like a spaceship, yes. But what got me is all the features and things that were in that truck. You could really tell that they designed it from the ground up to be electric. and had a lot of really good innovative ideas in it. But like most major manufacturers, the concept truck disappeared. And this is the truck they launched. And that's a shame. Um, do you think it's possible that all of those things that they were hoping ended up being too expensive in the current economy? We really don't know. I mean, the problem is, and honestly, we really don't know much about this Ram truck. That is true. We've seen with the Chevy, they showed lots of internal pictures, external pictures. They've talked a lot about specs. Ram is not really showing us a lot. We are getting on their website, really good pictures of the uh, exterior of the truck. Uh, we are getting a lot of stories about how they designed it and things like that. But when it comes to actually getting to know this truck, there's not much. Uh, there's some PR stuff. They talk about how the front, <laughs> the front design is bold. And some real big buzzwords. Uh, they say something about, what is it, um, without compromise? Uh, that's not true if you fell in love with the uh, concept vehicle. That's true. Because it looks like on the concept vehicle, they were promising um, some extra seats, making it a true six-passenger vehicle. Whereas um, I, I can't even tell if the current Dodge Ram is going to be a true five passenger vehicle, or if it's going to be four passenger, I guess that depends on how those back seats are situated. I would imagine considering the style of this truck, I bet it's going to be a bench type, a bench seat, type like seat. Most trucks are. Yeah. So you could get five passengers. I would imagine comfortably. I mean, so the website does show us some things. They show us the front, 
Yes, which I do like the frunk. It has a little cargo net in there, um, which, you know, if you're buying groceries, especially eggs these days, um, that'd be great to be able to hold those little <laughs> liquid uh liquid sources of protein that are costing quite a bit these days. Um, and it looks like it's really easy to clean. You don't have the deal with carpet like you would in a regular trunk of a vehicle. So um, I, it looks very nice. And it looks like um, you've got some buttons in addition to the touch screen on the center console inside the truck, which is always nice. Yeah. Uh, so we hit that owning a Tesla, right? There is very few buttons inside that vehicle. Everything on the infotainment cluster is a touchscreen, which is fine. I personally, you know, have more oil on my skin than most. So I have to clean that screen a lot because all the smudges I get on it and everything. And then, you know, when you're driving down the road, especially in Arkansas, our roads are bumpy. It's hard to really hit some of that stuff when your hand's moving in the air because of the, the ride. Very true. And I think it would be helpful to have certain things as a button. Uh, air conditioner controls, for example. Um, it would be helpful to have a button that you could just touch and know by feel if you need to turn the air yeah. on or off while you're driving. And we're not, and we're not again, they're not giving us much information. Uh, all they do is say next level interior inside the electric truck offers a host of available advanced technologies, luxurious refinements, and superb comfort throughout the cabin. Now you can kind of see, it looks like you got your standard gauge cluster behind the steering wheel. It looks like you've got a rectangular, uh, center console screen, you know, going, I guess, tall wise, rectangular. Yes. Right? It's, uh, it's, it's vertical. It looks like an iPad, basically. It's yeah. so, so big. And, and it, that on the side, on the passenger side in the front, it looks like there might be a secondary controller with a touch screen. That's what it's looking like. You can't, you can't really make out what it is. I'm thinking it might, looks like music controller, Perhaps. but it looks like there's some kind of touch screen for the passenger to use. Yes. And it's hard to tell, but there might be what looks to be a headphone jack. Um, I can't, I mean, uh, it's, it's, too, they don't, it's possible, but I mean, I think a lot they do of, it on purpose. I think it's kind of out of focus on purpose. I don't think they really want you to see a lot of Yes. Stuff. Well, and I don't know that, I mean, there's probably not a lot of headphones being made with a jack these days. No, there's it's, a better, there's a better picture of it right there. Yes. So yes, I can see now it is not, it does not look like a headphone jack in this picture, but it does look like maybe the passenger has the opportunity to collect, you know, connect to something via Bluetooth and have their own music source. Yeah, that's what that is. That's a, uh, they've got a song pulled up that says I'm a Ram in that, in that spiffy. Just, yeah. Chris Stapleton. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. I don't either, but you know, that's a little Easter egg. It, 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 yeah. It's probably country. We, we don't really care for country. So, and they've got on the center touch screen, your vehicle to home. It looks like you can plug another vehicle into your vehicle and charge it. Interesting. Vehicle to vehicle charging. Okay. So I guess if you wanted this truck, I, I could follow you along with the Tesla and give you a boost if you needed it. Or, you know, I mean, it depends. It depends on who forgot the charge. Uh-huh. And then of course they talk, they talk about whole home charging, smart charging port. Uh, they, again, Ram is not giving out any numbers right now. They're not listing what you can charge at or anything. It's basically just a lot of PR pictures is what we're seeing mm -hmm. right now. They may not even know yet. It seems like they're probably still working on it. I think we'll know a lot more as time passes. Yeah, I think they're slating this one for, they said quarter four, 2024. 
is when they think they might be releasing this one. Now, uh, I have a reservation in for both the Silverado and the Ram. I kind of did that just to hedge my bets about pricing and what changes might happen in the future. So I'm not sure which one I'll be getting. I'm going to try to get one. But even if I don't end up getting one, I'll try to get my hands on one. So maybe we can do a video on our YouTube channel about some of the electric trucks coming out. It would be nice to be able to test drive one and really see how it feels and how it handles. Yeah, because we I te we test drove the Lightning. We did, and it was very nice. It was nice. Um, it was. It, it ended up being uh, just too expensive uh, for a truck that already had miles on it. But... Uh, looking at the problems that the Ford Lightning uh, seems to be having these days, I think we dodged a bullet on that one. I think so, yeah. And of course, you know, the pricing, you know, again, these things aren't coming out for another year. They're saying that the Silverado is going to start out with what they're calling the WT trim, which is they're calling their work truck trim. Very Spartan, rubber floor mat, you know, rubber interior. Uh, you know, easy to clean, things like that. Oh, pretty much a work truck. A work truck, yeah. So they're saying that one's going to start at 40. Um, then they're saying that they'll have different additions. Their RST edition, which is more of their luxury trim editions, are probably going to start at about 50. But again, we don't know if they're going to keep those numbers. Ford said the same thing. And within two or three months of the truck launch, they adjusted the price by $5,000. Then they adjusted the price by $10,000. So Well, and it seems that perhaps as they're building these, they're finding that materials are costing more. And That's what I've been hearing. And I've been hearing that there are some features that are just missing from the trucks when you pick them up from the factory. Uh, heating ste Heated steering wheel was one on the Lightning that just isn't available as an option anymore because Ford ran out of parks and can't find them. Yes. Well, and I would think, you know, that's, of course, a luxury to not have a freezing cold steering wheel, but some people fix that feature by wearing gloves. So <laughs> that I wouldn't consider an essential feature, but you know, I'd like for my battery not to catch fire while I'm driving my vehicle. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I don't. And like I said, I think these trucks are really going to help EV adoption. I like that Chevy has boosted that range to 400 miles. That's going to make a huge difference. Definitely. It's making this truck, this bigger, theoretically safer vehicle for families to take trips in, um, If it, especially if it can really have that 400 mile range, which I would imagine it would have that type of range on an interstate environment and not necessarily in a city where you're stopping and going. Well, I mean, we would hope. I mean, technically, so it's a little different than gas. So technically, the lower, the slower you go, the more mileage you get out of it. That's right? true. Because the more, the faster you go, the more watts it takes to get to that speed. Right. You know? Well, depending, I guess, on what interstate, if you're, you know, following 75, 80, who knows. But um, so what's the difference with these types of trucks versus, say, like the Tesla charging system? Um, w these trucks, what's the network like to charge these okay, when you're on the road? That's a great um, question and a really good way to end the podcast on, I think, is to talk about the charging network, right? Because that's a yes. very important aspect of owning one of these vehicles. So uh, we have a Tesla. The Tesla charging network is far and vast, right? We've been on trips. We've had no problem stopping at a, a charging station. We've had no problems with having a spot open. That's we've had true. no problems with it charging fast. That's true. I think right? the longest we've waited for an open for a spot to open was approximately 15 minutes um, when someone came out, moved their car, and we were able to charge. 
And we never sat and charged for longer than half an hour um, unless we just wanted that extra boost. Yeah, well, the, the key to that is when we hook in our car, it just works, right? So te how Tesla has it set up is once you plug in, you have a credit card on account. So they know who you are by the ID of the car. The station communicates with the car when you plug it in. So we simply plug in and it starts charging and it charges like really fast, 160, 170 kilowatt hours. It does. And the prices were fairly reasonable. I mean, I remember a 30 minute charge costing us less than $12, um, definitely cheaper than gasoline. So how extensive is the network that these trucks can charge on? So the network is fairly extensive, right? But it's not their network. They use the Electrify American network for the most part. At least Ford is. I'm not sure what Chevy will do uh, partner-wise when it comes to what they'll do. Uh, but Electrify America, they're all over the place. You see them in a lot of Walmart parking lots and things mm -hmm. like that. I've heard of some grocery stores in bigger grocery cities stores, that might things have like them. That. Yeah, but the problem with Electrify America, from what I've gathered with all my research, is that you will pull up, and let's say there are five stations open. Nobody's there you plug in and your truck's only getting 30 kilowatt hours instead of 160, which means you'll be there for hours. You unplug, move to the next station over, plug it in. It's charging at 160 like it's supposed to, so you're good to go. Someone pulls into that one you were just at and you're thinking, oh, well, it's not going to work for them, but it works for them just fine. From what I understand, it is very inconsistent, not only with the rate you get when you plug into one of these stations, but if the stations are even working to begin with, I've had a lot of people tell me that you need to use an external service like PlugShare. PlugShare is this app that you can use where people contribute reviews and things about charging stations. And they're like, don't trust your vehicle. Go look up that station in PlugShare to see if there are any that are broken or have been reported by users and things like that. Users are having to police this themselves. And that's a bad thing. That is, especially if we end up with more electric vehicles on the road, we're going to need reliable sources of charging on the go. Yeah, to, and to put this into perspective, the United States government has offered Tesla like $7 million in order for them to open up their network to other electric vehicles. Up until now, it's been strictly only Teslas can plug into Tesla superchargers. Now, I don't think this is going to be Musk opening up every charging station to any vehicle. I think it has to do with 7,500 new stations being built and those being uh, multi-purpose because right now the plug is very proprietary on a Tesla supercharger. There is no screen. There is no interactivity. That's correct. The only way you charge is when you plug it into your Tesla and your Tesla communicates and says, hey, hi, I need juice. Charge my account. Exactly. Right? You, can't, you can't do that with any other vehicle. So I think they're going to have to build these 7,500 stations brand new. That'll be a different kind of station with probably have a touch screen and a way for a non-Tesla vehicle to pull up and authenticate and pay and start charging. <laughs> or they may go a different route and have most of the station be for Teslas and then maybe have one or two spots with a touch screen. They for could. Any vehicle. That's the I thing mean, we really, knows? yeah, we really don't know. But there is one thing that we can look forward is the maintenance on those stations, right? We've not been to a Tesla supercharging area that isn't well-maintained. That is true. I mean, even just, the, the look and feel of it, the area around it felt clean and safe. Um, a lot of these are located at large shopping malls. Um, some of them are located at gas stations. So especially if you're taking a long trip and you're 
electric vehicle, you're going to be thankful for those stops to be able to get out and stretch your legs or do some light shopping. But I can understand how that must be frustrating for users who have to go to a different network and you know they're not getting the charge speed they need because that's the idea of these stations. You want a higher charge rate than you would get at home with a standard outlet. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, a lot of people have chosen to put in, it's basically like an RV outlet um, to charge their vehicle at home. That's what we have here at our home to charge our Tesla. Um, so I, I guess America, if, if they want more electric vehicles on the road, they're going to have to find a way to work together and get these stations up and running. I mean, they're going to have to, because like, like we said earlier in the podcast, when we were talking about that a truck's going to be towing, right? Your range is going to be cut drastically when towing, just like when you're towing with a gas powered truck, you're going to need more areas, more frequent areas in order to stop and charge that up. Exactly. Otherwise there's going to be a big business out there of uh, people having to tow these electric vehicles to the and next you know charging what? station. They're going to have to reconfigure some of them too, because if you're hauling a big camper, you're not going to be able to pull into some of these places. That is true. Um, and well, unless you go and like park your camper off to the side and then move yeah, to the charger yeah. and that, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do that. So, um, We'll just have to see what happens in the next few years as these vehicles come out on the road. Yep, and we'll see, and we'll we'll keep everybody up to date on this. We'll do some more podcasts as more news comes out. But for now, this has been Jonathan and Brandy. We appreciate you listening to the Binary Atlas podcast. Please make sure you go check out our YouTube channel, Binary Atlas, and we will see everyone next time.